Let me start with the question. If you didn't know any more about your job than you knew about the Bible with the same amount of years of exposure, what would happen to many of us? Be fired. Be fired. <laughs> Honesty, there you go. And it is so true that, you know, many people in the world, you know, have had exposure to the Bible since they were children, raised up in church, uh, going to church, going to, going to Sunday school, going to vacation Bible school, um, going to Bible studies, you know, as you're, as in youth and as you're older and even as adults, um, you know, being in here in this class. But if we didn't know any more about the Bible or about our job as we do the Bible with the same amount of time of exposure, many of us would be fired. But, you know, we study for our job and we, and we take that seriously. Um, but God's Word, we're going to see here in just a minute, is something that's to be treasured. It's to be something that is, that is more valuable than anything that we could have here on this earth. It is eternal. You know, we even think about our hobbies. You know, many times we study for our hobbies. You know, I play golf, and uh, a couple of years ago I bought a new set of clubs, and, you know, I went and I studied. What, what clubs am I going to buy? Am I, am I just going to buy this brand or that brand? And what's the difference? And, you know, what's going to make me hit it farther and better? And so I studied that. I took time. It wasn't just go out and buy a set of golf clubs. And so... Why don't we do that with God's Word, the thing that is eternal in His written love letter to us that He left for us to know. And so tonight we're going to be encouraged, and that's kind of the goal, is, is to look at the importance of God's Word and to encourage us to want to get into His Word and study it for ourselves. So what is the goal for our lesson tonight? It's to realize the importance of Bible study. To realize the importance of Bible study. And then number two is to learn general principles of Bible study. So we're going to realize the importance of Bible study and then learn general principles of Bible study. There are two key things that affect our fellowship with God and one is God's written word to us. Getting into God's word, this is how God speaks to us. And then the other is prayer, us talking to God. And so over these next three lessons, we're going to look at Bible study, getting into God's word, seeing what he says to us. And then our final lesson is going to deal with prayer and having a quiet time so that we can be in fellowship with our, with our Savior Jesus Christ. So let's think about the importance of God's Word. And uh, if you want to, you can turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy 2.15. We've looked at this verse a few times. But before we get there, I just want to read this to you. And this is Proverbs chapter 2. I'll begin reading at verse 1 and going through verse 6. It says, My son, if you'll receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. 
from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And so we see there the importance of God's Word, that we're to receive it, we're to treasure the commandments that, that God has for us. It, they're treasures. We're to seek them as, as we would seek silver. You know, and, and that's one of the things. That's the reason that we work is, is to gain money here in this world. And we'll study and, and we'll make sure we're up to date on everything in our job. But do we seek God's Word that it gives us eternal rewards? Do we seek it as a hidden treasure like it says here in this passage? Whenever we seek these things, we're going to find the wisdom because the wisdom comes from the Lord. From His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And where do we find His Word? We find it in the Bible. And He's left us His written Word so that we can be wise people, that we can know His Word, so that we can be understanding, so that we can put it all together. And so it's right there. It's written in English. It's for us to know, to study, to dig, so that we can make application in our lives and teach it to others. So God's Word is important. And we see this same principle whenever we look at 2 Timothy 2.15. Somebody read that. <clears throat> Diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed accurately handling the Word of truth. Okay, so in 2 Timothy 2.15, we see God's command concerning His Word. And He says that we are to what? We are to be diligent. And that word be diligent means to work hard. And I said that the King James Version, it translates it study. Study to show yourselves approved. And study to show yourselves approved to God. And we talked about it earlier in, the, in this course that you know we can fake it until we make it in the world, but we can't fake it before God. He knows what's in our hearts. He knows what we think. He knows what we do. And so we can't fake it with Him. God, I, I know Your Word. He knows what we know. And so we want to study. We want to dig it to show ourselves approved to God. You know, we show ourselves approved to the people that we work for, for our boss, so that we can get a promotion and move up the ladder. Well, the same is true in the Christian life. Whenever we study to show ourselves approved, we work our way up the ladder. We, become, we go from being a believer to being a disciple to maybe being a leader. And through the way that we live our lives here on the earth, that's how we're going to spend eternity. It, it's based off of how we live our lives here. We're going to be rewarded for the things that we do in this life. We're going to have positions of responsibility for all eternity based on how we live in this life. And we can't fake it. We can't look like we know what we're doing before God unless we get into the Word, we dig it, and we study it. So how can we be approved workmen? By doing what is expected. By doing what is expected. What are we expected to do? We're expected to do what this verse tells us, to accurately handle the Word of truth. That means to cut it straight. That we cut straight the Word of God. And we talked about this a little bit last week. What does it mean to cut straight? It means to be able to put the truths of the Bible together. To be able to put the truths of the Bible together. That's what to cut it straight means. And we talked about this last week whenever we looked at the four Gospels and we said, you know, why are there four Gospels? And why are there four Gospels? 
Show Jesus in four different manners. Why does why is it important to show him in four different manners in the Gospels? The Old Testament showed us that that picture of the four shadows. Okay, so the Old Testament showed us that this is what Christ was going to be like. That he was going to be a king. He was going to be a servant. He was going to be a man. He was going to be God. And so that's what we're talking about. That's how we fit the Bible together. That's how we cut it straight. We accurately handle the word of truth. We see these things and we see how they're woven together and we see how the Bible is a perfect picture that everything fits together whenever you look at it as it is written. And so we need to accurately handle the word of truth. And that's what he calls it there. Notice what he calls the Bible there. He calls it the word of truth truth and that's what it is it is truth john 17 17 says thy word is truth it says sanctify them in the truth truth thy word is truth and so we are to be set apart by the word of god we are to be set apart in the truths of god's word how are we going to do that we've got to dig it we've got to study it we've got to know it because in order to be sanctified to be set apart in it we have to know what it says so that we can live it out in our lives. So the Word of God is important. We see that because we're going to one day stand before our Savior Jesus Christ and we're going to have to give an account of our lives. And He's going to know what we did while we were here on this earth. He's going to know how well we know His Word and how we lived it out. And so we better get into it and dig it and see that it is important. Any thoughts, comments, questions? What was that reference in John? John 17, 17. 17. Turn now to 2 Timothy 3, 16. 2 Timothy 3, 16. Somebody run to read 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So we see there, number one is all Scripture is inspired by God. Inspired by God. What does that mean? God breathed. God breathed. Exactly right. I love this verse. You might write out beside there as well. 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. It says, But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy <coughs> Spirit spoke from God. And so, it wasn't just man going out and deciding, hey, I'm going to write a letter. No, it was the Holy Spirit spoke through that person and He wrote the Word of God. And so, we have God's Word. It's from God through man. It's from God to man. And it's, it's amazing too, whenever you look at the Bible, because each author with his unique characteristics in his own language, uh, it is written out. Luke, the doctor, writes Luke and Acts. 
And many of the words that are found in Luke and Acts are only found in Luke and Acts because they're, they're higher educated words. They're, they're words of a doctor versus John. What was his occupation? Fisherman, exactly right. And so he didn't have that that education and everything that Luke had. And so the easiest uh, book to read in the Greek uh, language is the Gospel of John because it's very simple. He was a fisherman. And so he used very simple language. And many of the words that's found in his Gospel are found throughout the, the New Testament in many other places. And so they use their own education, their own um, vocabulary, but God had them write the words that were exactly what He wanted written. So it's from God through man. It's from God to man. It's the inspired Word of God. And it's profitable. Number two is it's profitable. And how is God's Word profitable? We see four things there. It's profitable for... A is teaching. Teaching. It gives us doctrinal truths from God's Word. It gives us doctrinal truths. Back to that John 17, 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Thy Word is truth. We're going to be set apart, sanctified in God's Word. We've got to get in it. And it teaches us the truths that we need to know so that we can live by it. And then B is reproof. It shows us where we're wrong. Shows us where we're wrong. How many of you have ever read the Bible and been convicted whenever you're reading it? about something that you're doing in your life or something that you're not doing in your life that you should be doing. It shows us where we're wrong. It convicts us. Talk more about it in just a minute. It gives us correction. So it's showing us how to get right. (coughs) So it doesn't just show us where we're wrong. But it shows us where we're wrong and then it shows us how to get right. If you look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 17, you see that he's talking about these people and and they are to take off what it is that they used to be like and, and all of this list of negative things that they're like. But then it says what? The, how to get right. So you put on these things and it, and it gives you the perfect bond of unity. How the, how the church is to function together in unity. The psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing praise. And so the Bible doesn't just show us where it's wrong. It shows us how to get right. And then D is it gives us instruction. It gives us instruction. It shows us how to stay right. It shows us how to stay right. And the great example of that is found in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. We looked at it. Uh, 
How do we live the Christian life? How do we live as a disciple of Christ? We lay aside anything that's slowing us down. So whether it's sin that we have in our lives, whether it's the good things that we have in our lives that we could replace with something that is better or something that is best, we lay aside those things. We run the race with endurance. We realize that the Christian life is a long-distance run, and so we run the race with endurance, keeping our focus on where? On Christ. We don't focus on what, what's behind us, what we've done in the past, whether it's bad, um, the sin that we have in our lives in the, in the past. We don't look back to there. We don't look back to the glory that we had in, in those days past. We don't look at the circumstances surrounding us. Where do we look? We look to the finish line, where we're going. Our focus is to be on Jesus Christ. And so the Bible shows us how to stay right, how to live the Christian life like we're supposed to be living it. <coughs> so the Bible, it's inspired by God, is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So that, so the results, number three is the results. So that every man may be, the word in the NASB there is adequate. Adequate. <coughs> Three is results. And that's what, that so that, it gives you, that gives you purpose or results. So that the man of God may be adequate. And the idea there is actually more of maturity. Um, if you look in some other translations, it says maybe complete or capable. And I think those are some better words because whenever we think about the word adequate, we think, oh, you know, that's just ho-hum. That's adequate. With, you know, that guy's okay to get by. We don't want to be adequate or average or anything like that. It, it has the idea more of maturity, complete or capable. So we'll be complete or capable, equipped, and then B is equipped for every good work. So we're quite capable, we're able, we're capable, and we're equipped for every good work. That's why the Bible's there for us. That's, that's the importance. And so that we, whenever we go through the Bible, it gives us doctrinal instruction. It gives us reproof. It gets us, shows us where we're wrong. It shows us how to get right. Shows us how to stay right, so that we can be mature men and women equipped for every good work. What's the work that God has left us here to do? Back to week one. Make disciples. Exactly right. Make disciples to evangelize and to train. And so if we're going to make disciples of Jesus Christ, we've got to know the Word of God. We've got to dig the Word of God. We've got to study the Word of God so that we can be mature and equipped to teach other people. So the Bible is important. It's important because it's God-breathed. And it shows us all these things that gets us ready so that we can teach others. And then C is, based on Hebrews 4.12, what do we see concerning God's Word? Hebrews 4.12. Somebody want to read that? 
For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates the body, soul, and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Okay. So the word of God is living and active. So it's living and active. What do you think that means? Active. A-C-T-I-V-E. Active. It's still relevant. And I think that's, that's definitely a good good thing because so many people say, well, you know, it's old book written for a different time for people in a different culture. Um, and so it's not relevant to us today, but it's alive. It's active. Inspiring. It's inspiring. Exactly. The Bible is able to divide the soul and the spirit. Bible goes to the heart of the matter. It's able to deal with our innermost thoughts, feelings, desires, and actions. That's why whenever you go into the Word of God and you start digging it, that sometimes you're like, okay, you know, a little too convicting. Uh, let's move on to a different subject or let's go read a different part because, you know, it goes into the heart of the matter. It, it digs out, you know, our thoughts and our intentions. The Bible is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You know, and sometimes we do good things, but we do them with the wrong intentions, with the wrong motives. And sometimes, you know, the Bible shows us these things. Well, you know, uh, uh, I'm, I'm cheating just a little bit, but I'm doing it to help out, you know, these people who don't have as much. And so it's okay that I'm, that I'm cheating because I'm helping these people. Well, whenever you go to God's Word, you know, you see that, that cheating is not really the right thing to do. Even, you know, because, you, because you've got some intentions, you think your intentions are good, um, that it's okay to do that. It judges the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So the Bible is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Cuts right to the heart of the matter. And we see that many times, that it, that it cuts us. It cuts us to the heart whenever we get into it. But it's important that we get into it because we want to live our lives for Christ. What about Isaiah 55.11? What does Isaiah 55 11 say? So will my words be which goes from my mouth, forth from my mouth, it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sin. Okay, so the word of God will never return <coughs> empty. It will always accomplish God's plan and desire. Mm-hmm. 
So what does that mean? <coughs> Never. Okay, so if we if we teach God's word or if we're reading God's word, it's never in vain. Um, God's got a purpose and a reason for us hearing what we're hearing, seeing what we're seeing. Yeah, never lets us stand. And so it always accomplishes what God desires. I know there's been several times uh, in my life that I've taught on Sunday mornings and, you know, and I've had an outline and I teach through it and I say, okay, here's our applications that we can take from this and they're A, B, and C. And then, you know, people walking out the door and they're like, man, I just really enjoyed what you what you said this morning and you know, it touched me because of X, Y, and Z. And I was like, well, my points were A, B, and C, or my applications were A, B, and C. But what did they get out of it? They got X, Y, Z. Even though that wasn't necessarily what my points were, God was speaking to them, and God's Word's alive and active. It never comes back void. It always accomplishes His purpose. And so we can get up, we can talk about different things and it may or may not influence people but whenever we teach God's word it's going to have a purpose and it's going to touch people's lives in a way that God desires for it to touch them so any thoughts comments about the importance of God's word or anything that you have based off of these passages of scripture that we've looked at so far. All right. Let's look then at general Bible study principles concerning God's word. How do we understand a passage? There are three considerations when looking at a passage of scripture. Always study it in its context. Always compare Scripture with Scripture. And always use the historical, literal, grammatical interpretation. So let's look at these in in some detail. Number one is always study it in its context. What happens whenever you take a passage of Scripture and you do not study it in its context? Meaning's lost, you can make anything come from it. It's what so many people do. Exactly. Second Timothy four two it says preach the word. Preach the word. It doesn't say preach about the word. Don't cherry pick something out of the word and, and build a sermon around it. Don't go looking for verses that match what you want to say and just pull them from here and there. It says preach the Word. And that's why here at Stillwater Bible we, we do expository teaching. We teach the Word in, in the flow of the passage so that you know what the passage says and then the book as a whole. And so um, it's important that we do that, that we keep it and we study it in its context. 
A good example of this is found in Colossians 3.15 and it says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called into one body and be thankful. Now what that verse is dealing with is something that's totally different than a lot of people take it to be. A lot of people say, well, I've got the peace of Christ in my heart about this decision that I'm going to make. Like, am I going to buy this house or that house? Man, I've just got the peace of Christ about this house, and so I know this is the one that He wants me, wants me, to, wants me to buy. But that's not what this, this passage is dealing with. Because if you look at it there, it says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, plural, and so it's dealing with unity in the body. It has nothing to do with making a decision. But so many people pull it out of context. So it's dealing with getting along with one another. Deals with unity in the body. And so another one that is often taken out of context is found in Matthew 18.20. Does anybody know what that is? Two or more gathered in yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where two or more are gathered in my name. And what do you hear that that's dealing with? More times than not. Decision. What? Is it isn't decisions right? Decisions. Well, presence. Presence of God. Yeah. What else? Answered prayer. And so this is used, you know, mainly for answered prayer or the presence of God. And what is that passage really dealing with? Correction. Correction. It's dealing with discipline within the body. How do you deal with discipline in the body? First, you go directly to the person. If you got an issue with somebody, you go directly to that person one-on-one. If that doesn't solve the situation, then what do you do? You go back and get somebody else. And take two or three together with you. And if that doesn't work, then what do you do? Remove them from the, from the <laughs> body. And then, so it's dealing with church discipline. It's not dealing with... with uh, prayer or dealing with answered prayer or dealing with the presence of God because isn't God always with us? He said that He'd never leave us or forsake us. What should we fear? And lo, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. And so do we need two or three people to gather together in order to get the presence of God? No. In order to have answered prayer, do we have to have two or three people come together and pray about something? No. And so, it's another passage of Scripture that's often taken out of context to make it say whatever it is that they want it to say. But, I mean, you hear it all the time. It's on the radio. I mean, heck, every other day you hear that passage of Scripture, I think, on one of the, one of the radio stations taken out of context. So, if we take a passage out of context, we can make it say 
basically anything we want to. Number two is always compare Scripture with Scripture. Always compare Scripture with Scripture. The Bible will interpret itself in many places. The Bible will interpret itself in many places. <coughs> Turn to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. This is a great example. Not every ex- every place in the Bible is this easy and explain- explanatory as, uh, as it is here, but Look at uh, Revelation 1.16. Somebody read that. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, dull-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all his brilliance. So the seven stars, what are they? Look down read Revelation 1.20. mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. So if you're sitting there, you're reading that and you're like, what in the world are these seven stars? Well, if you just keep on reading, if you also, if you have a reference Bible, um, a study Bible that has references in it. If you look at Revelation chapter 1 verse 16 and you look at the reference out there, it's going to reference Revelation 1 20 as a reference because it gives you information about Revelation 1 16 and that's what study Bibles do most often times. If you look at those references out there in the side, it gives you reference to something else that's dealing with a similar topic. It could be it's quoting an Old Testament verse, then it gives you what that Old Testament verse is um, that it's that it's relating to. And so, and we'll talk more about that whenever we get to um, some tools that we use in Bible study, but they can be very helpful. So we always want to first and foremost, compare Scripture with Scripture. So what do we know in other Scripture that we can use to get an answer about this this Scripture? And then principle number three is always take the historical, literal, and grammatical interpretation. Always take a historical, literal, and grammatical interpretation. So, taking the Word of God, A, in its historical context. (coughs) And so we said earlier that the Bible, it was written at a different point in time. Written from 
2,000 years before Christ, all the way up, or 1,500 years before Christ, all the way till basically 90 AD, somewhere in that range. Um, and so, written at a different point in time. And so there is some historical context that we have to take into consideration whenever we study the Bible. And then B is literal. The meaning of the words. What are the words that are right there in front of us? You know, if I ask you, what's the definition of trunk? What would be your answer? Tongue and nose of an elephant. Nose of an elephant. <laughs> Large box. Large, Large box. Get up Body of a tree. Body of a tree. And so words have meaning. And what do the words literally mean that are that are there? If I told everybody in here to spell two, well, there's several different ways. And so you gotta look at the word and how it's spelled. And what is its meaning? And so we need to literally look at the words and see what they mean. And then C is grammatical. How the word is used in the sentence structure. Grammatical. So how the word is used in the sentence structure. And so then we go back to looking at diagramming sentences and all that fun stuff from English. What's the subject? What's the verb? So all of that stuff is important in studying the Word of God. But this is called the literal method. We must realize that whenever we study the Word of God, there's a gap between the Word. The Bible was written many years ago in different languages, so we must bridge the gap. And there are four key areas to bridge. The first one is language. In the Old Testament, what was it written in? Hebrew, Hebrew. Hebrew and, and some Aramaic. Exactly right. What language do we do we speak? English, English, English. Uh, and so you know, there's that bridge that we have to gap from the language that it was written in into our language. The New Testament. What was it written in? Greek. Greek. Exactly right. And so again, we have to bridge that gap. It's a lot easier to bridge that gap nowadays that we have computers and the internet and everything because we can pretty much go on our phones, uh, our tablets, on our computers, and we can find what is the Greek word that was originally put in there and what does that Greek word literally mean. Uh, and just like I said earlier, that word adequate. Adequate, equipped for every good work. And I said, you know, that word is probably not the best translation of that word. And so what do I do? I went and looked at what was the Greek word that was there. 
What are some other translations that were used? What is the meaning of that that Greek word? And so that's where we came up with uh, complete or capable is probably a better word, better English word to describe the word that was actually used there. Then number two is time. <clears throat> In written anywhere from 5,000 to 2,000 years ago. And so there's a time gap that we have to overcome. And then number three is geography. And the Bible was written where? Middle East. In the Middle East, exactly right. And so there's there's some difference there. And then finally, number four is culture. What kind of people were in the Bible? Jewish? Arabs? And so, in the next section, we're going to look at how do we bridge these gaps? How do we dig the Scripture and make sure that we understand what it is that God has written? How can we interpret that? How can we understand it uh, in today's world, in today's society? And we said that the, the Word of God is living and active. It's still important today as it was in the time that it was written. It's still as effective today it still has meaning today it's not a book that was written for a different uh, time for a different group of people it was written for our instruction the things written in the old testament they were written for our instructions the things written in the new testament are now old things to us and they were written for our instruction as well and so it's important that we know the word of god we know how it fits together uh, because it is it is important. It's God's written love letter to us, and we should see it as such. We should treasure it as such. We should see it as important because it doesn't only profit us in this life, but also in the life to come. So in summary, number one, God's Word is important in our lives. God's Word is important in our lives. I want to encourage you this week, yeah, take some time, sometime this week, and read Psalm chapter 119. Psalm 119. There's 176 verses in Psalm 119. And all but I think there are four verses that don't deal specifically with the Word of God. His commandments, His statutes, His ordinances, His Word. Um, it specifically says that in all but I think four verses. And so, um, so I encourage you to read that. 
Because you want an encouragement to read the Word of God, and it, it gives you some great insights. Psalm 119.9, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your Word. Psalm 119.11, Your Word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.18, this is a great Bible verse, and I encourage you to memorize this verse. It's a great verse to, to memorize and, and to say before you go and read God's Word, or before you go and study God's Word. Psalm 119.18 says, Open my eyes, that I may behold the wonderful things from your law. So what a great verse to pray before you go and you read God's Word, before you study God's Word. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. So you see, those are just four of the verses that are of the 176, but all of them deal with God's word and how it's important for us to know it, how it should inspire us to want to read it, to want to study it, to want to dig it, to want to know it, because it's profitable for us. Number two, God's Word is inspired by God and prepares us to grow. God's Word is inspired by God and prepares us to grow. Number three, God's Word goes to the heart. God's Word goes to the heart and always accomplishes God's plan. God's Word goes to the heart and always accomplishes God's plan. And number four, we are to study the Bible in its context. We are to study the Bible in its context. Compare Scripture with Scripture. And take the literal interpretation and take the literal interpretation. We're to study the Bible in its context, compare Scripture with Scripture, and take the literal interpretation. JB's got two book references down there at the bottom, and both of those are amazing books that Teaching to Change Lives. It's great if you're any type of teacher, but it's really great if you're a Bible teacher. Living by the book is going to take the principles that we're going to look at over these next couple of weeks, and it goes a whole lot more in depth while also giving you encouragement to study the Word of God. Here's a few of the quotes from from those books. It says, This book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. So it's so true. You know, either this book's going to keep you from sin, 
or sin will keep you from this book. And that's what we said earlier. A lot of times we have sin in our lives. We don't want to go and dig into the Word of God because why? It cuts right to the heart of the matter. Dusty Bibles lead to dirty lives. You leave your Bible sitting there on the shelf collecting dust, it's going to lead to a dirty life. Many of us want a word from God, but not the word of God. You know, we've got something going on in our lives and we want to pray to God and God just give us a word of what of what we're supposed to do, of, of why this is happening, of, of what's going on, of what this outcome is going to be. We want a word from God, but we don't want to get in the word of God and dig it and study it. We know enough to own a Bible, but not enough for the Bible to own us. We all own a Bible, do we not? But how many of us allow the Bible to own us? That we live out the truths and principles that we find in this Word. That we study it enough that we know what the principles and truths are that we're supposed to be living out in our lives. We pay the Bible lip service, but we fail to give it life service. We'll talk about the Bible. We'll give it lip service. We'll say that, you know, that we're a Christian and that we know the Word of God, but yet we fail to give it life service. But we're to be like Paul and be able to say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We need to live it out in our lives. So, some great books, some great things in there to give you inspiration to study the Word of God. But go to Psalm 119. I think you'll find some great inspiration in the Word of God to study the Word of God as well.